On this week's episode of Techie Speak, I'm gonna have to be honest here and say at least one problem for every smartphone brand. As best as I can, of course. Welcome to Techie Speak, an utterly techie podcast hosted by Julian CB. That's me. On this podcast, I tackle various tech topics, no matter how tame or spicy they get. Catch new episodes every Friday on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Enjoy the episode! At first, I really wanted to see the good in every phone, but uh, before I get to that, I just want to air out my problems with... Many of the phone brands we know and love or hate depends on how you feel about them. Disclaimer number one, I will miss some phone brands. Yeah, I said every smartphone brand, but let's face it. Some of them are just either not too relevant or I don't really care about the brand. Like they haven't really done much in the way to make me think of a problem about them so that's my first disclaimer the second disclaimer is i'm coming from a perspective of having known both the global context and the philippine context in specific because some of these problems may not be s- applicable to where you are most of it is either in my philippine context in my bubble being in the Philippines, and some of it is applicable to all. So, let's see where this goes. Without further ado, here are my problems for every smartphone brand, with a disclaimer, of course. First, since I've been tagged as an Apple fanboy a lot by friends, family, and people I know, let's start with Apple. My problems with Apple. I have three here. So you know I'm serious. You can't really be a true Apple fan if you don't see the problems with it. So here it goes. Um, My first problem with Apple is the fact that I'm actually paying more. I'm actually paying more and yet I don't get the complete experience because... Apparently, you can only get the complete Apple experience if you're in the U.S. So, a lot of the features that I've seen over the years in their keynotes and stuff like that, in their iOS software announcements, some of them have not made it outside the U.S. in the worst case scenario. And then some of them have been out in several countries, but not as global as we want it to be. Like, for instance... The Apple Card. Yes, it's a partnership between Apple and Goldman Sachs, which is a U.S. bank. I get it. So, it makes sense just in the U.S. But they could have found a way? In a way? I don't know. Like, for instance, in the Philippine context, Apple Pay. Until now, 2023. When was Apple Pay? Now it's like 2014. In the Philippines, you don't have Apple Pay yet. That's nuts. Google has tried multiple times to launch a wallet app here 
and for some reason Apple can't. I don't know. Really weird. And yeah, and stuff like emergency SOS, which is, of course, initially going to be available in the U.S. I'm not sure if they've since launched in other countries, but so far it's just the U.S. So basically, if you want to get the complete Apple experience, you just have to be in the U.S. or basically live there because otherwise you're gonna get the incomplete experience outside of the U.S. Speaking of outside the U.S., Apple products are more expensive outside the U.S. So if you've seen the news last year when the 14 series came out, uh, the Pro models, they said that there was no price hike. And that is true for, I think, the U.S. mostly. Outside, like Europe, Europe was really badly hit with the price hike because i think the i think if i'm not mistaken when you buy the iphone 14 pro max there it's more expensive than the ultra or at least the same so it's weird because in the us the 14 pro max is cheaper by a hundred dollars than the s23 ultra but outside it's either equal or even more which is nuts if you think about it so I don't know why. I don't know why besides foreign exchange rates and how that works and how the dollar is stronger. I don't really exactly know why, but it sucks that uh, not only are you getting an incomplete experience outside the US, but you're actually paying more for that incomplete experience. One more thing about Apple that I really, really don't like. Actually, I really hate is that come on apple it's 2023 and we only have five gigabytes of free icloud storage seriously just five gigabytes still ever since you introduced that with your apple uh with your icloud service and can only offer five gigs of storage for everyone you're literally one of the most uh valuable companies in the world and you can only offer five gigs each to your apple users you can at least increase it to like 50 so that they can back up their iphones the very least or at least their photos they would really much appreciate that apple and they're not forced to pay like for at least 50 gigs which is also not enough for some people like me so i have to pay even more to you just to store all my photos properly so i don't know i don't know why maybe increase it to 50 gig please apple please so yeah those are my problems with apple as you can see i'm really passionate when it comes to apple whether i talk about the good things about apple and the bad things because it really affects me Next up is Google and the reason why I keep bringing up Google when it comes to problems with smartphone brands, it's because I have a long-standing, let's just say, non-recommendation of Pixel phones, especially to people asking me, should I get a Pixel phone? And I will 
generally say no and every pixel release i will dismiss it even though i've known like at least two or three uh youtube creators talk about the pixel even though they're here based in the philippines uh, i really don't like recommending phones that are not readily available here officially so i've heard that it could change soon but that's just a rumor and i'm not counting on it to be honest because if they really wanted to launch at a global scale they would but they're not so can't do anything about that yeah i actually <laughs> actually got ahead of myself because as i mentioned my problem with google mainly is their phone is not as available globally as other flagship phones if they want to provide that google experience surely they must realize that more people outside of the select few countries they launch their phones at want it they import it like i've seen it in japan all the time when i was there promoting google pixel but for some reason i don't see it in a lot of countries they're particularly avoiding countries near china for some reason i'm not sure but yeah weird and my other this probably minor to me because i haven't experienced it uh personally but for some reason every single pixel release they have some form of hardware issue this with the pixel 7s it's their camera glass so in the back of the phone the camera so the camera is covered with glass and for some reason that breaks for some random reason and the worst part is google won't cover it under warranty although i'm not sure if that's still a thing now if google managed to somehow they managed to fix that issue or not probably not since <laughs> still now not not yet apparently so that's weird so I don't know what they're going to do with this. Every year, they have a, a hardware issue. And it's already, what, seven generations of Pixel? And including the Ace, and they can't seem to nail that. So, hmm, weird. Okay, on to the next one. I don't want to take too long on one brand besides Apple because I'm very passionate when it comes to Apple. But... Next up is Oppo. I have kind of a beef with Oppo, especially in the Philippines side, but I'm not going to mention it. So, because that's a personal thing for me. But besides that, I'm putting that out there. So, you know, in case people ask. But my two problems with Oppo is... Uh, I'm not sure what Oppo is in 2023, what their role is, if they're still the, what are they in the whole scheme of things when it comes to the BBK group of companies. So if, in case you don't know, BBK is a company that owns all the brands, all the Chinese brands that you know, Oppo, Vivo. OnePlus, Realme, and Aiku. Aiku is a Vivo sum brand. All of those are under BBK. 
And for some reason, I can't really pinpoint besides technology innovation when it comes to charging since SuperVOOC is under Oppo's technologies. But besides that, what are they? Uh, they're basically just the mainstream brand of the BBK group outside the U.S. Because for some reason, Oppo is not using their own brand in the U.S. They're using something else. What that is, I'll tell you so sooner than you think. My other problem with Oppo right now is their questionable flagship phone strategy. So the four phones I mentioned here are the Find X5 Pro, the newly released Find X6 Pro, which is only exclusive to China for some reason, the Find N2, which is also a China exclusive, and the Find N2 Flip, which is thankfully a global release, including the Philippines. It costs 50k, the cheapest flip phone in the market today. If you don't count the previous generations of flip phones from Samsung, but I digress. My beef with this thing is the Find X series has been weird since they made a sequel to the Find X, which is the, if you remember, the Oppo Find X was this really cool dark phone with some violet and or blue accents. Then it would have a pop-up camera. So the whole top would move up and it would show the cameras at the back that were hidden, which is nuts. And it's very cool and innovative. And the screen made it seem more futuristic. And ever since then, the Find X series has become a mainstream flagship kind of a line for Oppo, which is weird. Weird strategy. I thought Reno was also part of that, but apparently not. They made it mid-range so that the Find X wouldn't go premium flagship. And as I alluded to when I was talking about Oppo, the Find X5 Pro wasn't even launched. Uh, it was launched globally, yes, but it wasn't launched in the Philippines for some reason. And I'm not. I'm not. I'm not gonna go into details as to why I'm pissed about. The Find X5 Pro in the Philippines. They've been promoting it for some reason. But I don't know who owns one. So make of that what you will. And I don't expect the Find X6 Pro to change that sentiment of mine. When it comes to the Find X series. Because that, that now is a China exclusive. With all the Hasselblad stuff and the Mari Silicon stuff. And the only phone... From the find, the find lineup that we're getting is the find N2 Flip. It's probably because it's affordable and it's uh, it makes sense to compete with the first company, I already named them, which is Samsung, for their foldables. So it makes sense for Oppo to get into that, especially the Flip, since that's really popular. In my opinion, I find it more popular than the book style fold folding phone, which is. One, expensive, and two, probably not for everyone because it's a tablet form factor when you open it up. So if a tablet's not for everyone, then why would a bigger foldable be for more people, basically? So that's my problem with Oppo. I'm, for some reason, I'm more passionate with Oppo, <laughs> probably because of the Find X5 Pro thing, but 
that's for another day. Next is OnePlus. So remember what I said about Oppo? That they're the mainstream brand of BBK Group outside the US? Well, basically that's what OnePlus is. That's basically the BBK Group's US brand. And India to a certain extent, but mainly for me, it's basically a US brand. They were able to penetrate the US market with the OnePlus brand. And they're successful with it, but for some reason, uh, they just decided, okay, we're going to merge with Oppo. And for me, that probably caused one of the issues I have with OnePlus, which is their lost identity. So last year, months after they merged with Oppo, they released this phone called the OnePlus 10T. I mean, that's not really the true timeline, but like some months after they announced that merger thing, the merging thing, we got the OnePlus 10T, which is basically the most uninspiring and boring phone of last year. Admittedly, I'm not the only one who's saying that. Like, a lot of tech reviews are saying that about the 10T. Sure, it has a great performance, which a lot of the Philippine tech reviewers are saying, but other than that, it's pretty much so boring. Like, I enjoyed the experience. I can refer you to my review on the blog. I enjoyed the experience of having flagship performance for the cheap, but it felt like just another phone rather than being a OnePlus phone. So for me, lost identity. My second issue with OnePlus, and it feels like a minor thing, but the Nord line, which used to be simple because it was like Nord and then we got the Nord 2. But then for some reason, Oppo, uh, you see, I'm already getting them confused. Oppo, OnePlus, merged, whatever, I don't care. OnePlus kind of decided, okay, let's make the Nord this and that and for some reason Nord has become this mid-range slash entry level for them and I'm not sure if OnePlus needs an entry level phone. I thought other brands would serve that need but apparently OnePlus has to serve that too like lower mid-range. See the problem with the phones getting more expensive is that you really have to segment all the price points properly and more in a more complicated way since there's a lot of price points now compared to a decade ago where it was simpler to differentiate between a flagship and a not flagship like mid-range wasn't that hot a decade ago so there my beefs with oneplus Next up, Realme, hmm, yeah, I debated whether I should include it, but yes, these are my problems with the Realme brand. And the first one is basically in the Philippine context, because if you're not aware, um, since middle of last year, uh, Realme decided to spin off its Narzo uh, uh, line as a separate brand. So Realme and Narzo are distinct brands under that umbrella. Because when I associate Narzo, it's I still think of Realme because that's what we were used to since 
the nar- a first Narzophone came here to the country. And it was kind of weird that they would split it off. But I don't know if it will make sense. But basically, I'm not sure if they should separate it. But I guess based on what I've seen in the teasers this year in the Indian market, I think they're planning to push Narzo as its own brand. Because they reached a point that their Tech Life brand was just going to be integrated into Realme anyway. So they just used the account for Narzo stuff. So I think Narzo is going to get a big push in India this year. Starting with that next phone, which I will not talk about since it's still upcoming. But yeah. I don't know how to split the both of them. That's what I asked the Realme people when it comes to Narzo. When they were doing their media roundtable, which is a good move, by the way, that they were going toward two different regions to determine how will the Narzo brand stand out. And that's still a dilemma for me. How will it stand out when I can closely associate it with Realme still? Like, even if I see Narzo in an event like the recent events in Manila this year, I'm still not sure how they can distinguish it. If that makes sense. Yeah. My next problem, this is probably minor because I'm not sure if it's really that problematic, but this year just made me realize that the GT series of Realme starting to get a little more segmented, like fragmented. You know what I mean? Like, uh, before, it used to be simpler because we had the GT, which is available both in China and global. Then we had the GT Master Edition and the GT Explorer Master Edition. But it was named that in both China and here, and global, basically. But then I think after the GT, hmm, I'm not sure exactly when it happened, but basically this year, it was more apparent because in China, Realme launched the GT Neo 5, which is, huh, interesting. GT Neo 5 already. But makes sense because they do that every year. Like they release a GT series phone, GT Neo phone every year. So, huh, early, but okay. But then... A month later, Realme decided to launch the GT3, which is, huh? GT3? What's this about? It's basically the global version of the GT Neo 5 in China. So, I'm not sure if that won't cause any confusion. I mean, to be fair, Realme's lineups in China have distinct uh, series of phones compared to the global uh realme launches like for example it was only last year like december or like november something like that where the chinese market was exposed to the number series so if you don't know the number series like realme 3 5 realme 5 pro realme 6 pro until the now the realme 10 10 pro 10 pro plus so those are the number series and last year was basically the Chinese market's first introduction to the number series. Because we thought that that would be kind of a streamlining thing for Realme, where they will simplify their lineups with the number series and the GT series. But they don't have the C series there, so I don't know what's going to happen. So yeah, I find 
the GT naming to be weird lately, especially this year. Next is Vivo. So one of the nice things about Vivo last year was they released a lot. And I applaud them for that. Like they've been constantly putting out a lot of phones, which gave a lot of options to consumers. But I had problems with that, especially with the fir my first problem with Vivo is the Y series feels like a mishmash of random phones offered at different price points from very basic entry level, like Y02, Y01, like 4K to 5K price point up until the Y35, which is like around 15 to 16,000 pesos. And then the, the range of features ver vary between all of them. Like there are some phones in the Y series I can recommend, like let's say the Y35, maybe the Y22S if you don't have the budget. But then like at the other end of the spectrum, there's the Y, Y15A, or the Y02S, so those affordable ones. And then for some reason, that middle of the pack for them doesn't work. Like, take note of my Vivo Y16 review about my thoughts about the Y series as a whole. That part in the middle, not so good. So yeah. That's my first problem with Vivo. The second one, and for some reason this is minor and it could probably be because of supply slash something weird and they just phased it out for some reason, but last year, in 2022, Vivo released two phones under this new T series of phones. So there was the T1 5G and the T1X. I think there's also a T1 4G, but I'm not sure if it was launched here or if it even exists. But basically, the T-Series was basically Vivo's bang for your buck phone line for some reason. Because the T1X, it was priced at below 10k, but it had specs that you would expect 10 to 11 to 12,000 peso phones to have. Which is weird for Vivo since... Vivo is usually the one that is kind of more exp more premium positioning than the other brands in the BBK group or like let's say like brands like Xiaomi or Infinix something like that. So that that was weird that they have bang for buck, especially the T1 5G, that was pretty popular last year. Like I could tell, like who people really like the T1 5G and they want to try it. But for some reason, it, I don't know, they felt it was too good that they didn't want to sell it anymore. I'm not sure. I'm not sure about the reasoning. I, I can only speculate what it is, but I, I am not sure. I don't have insider information about this. These are just my thoughts and my problems with brands. So yeah, those, that's my problem with Vivo. Next is Xiaomi. Whew. Can't, so happy that I've reached Xiaomi already because these it it timed perfectly with the news that their out their sales I think for last quarter like 2022 they're down so it was 
really funny that this timed well not super well i think it was a week ago not sure but yeah my first like my first problem stems with how xiaomi uh handles its sub brands so right now xiaomi has two main sub brands so redmi so that's their entry level and their mid-range lineup although that gets muddled too for some reason so their mid-range gets muddled then there's the poco line which used to be ultimate bang for buck phones but now has turned into a gaming phone kind of brand rather than value for money because the poco f1 or the poco phone was really popular when it came out and then now it's like what is this brand for and then the worst part is when a phone gets released in china as a redmi sometimes they think oh we might think of it as a poco phone for global and it's weird like why complicate your life you could have just named it a redmi phone still like i think there was no need for xiaomi to do this they could have just ditched the poco brand entirely but i think they found value in it because of that on the strength of the poco f1 so that's why they're keeping it but i think they should ditch one of their two brands if they want to keep if they want to streamline their operation especially with their mid-range lineup which gets confusing with the redmi and the pocos of the world another problem which probably partially isn't their fault in a way but if you're a company and you see something happen and that's an opportunity that you want to take then by all means take it so everyone knows what happened back in 2019 where huawei got added into the entity list which blocked them initially from working with u.s companies especially in the aspects of networking equipment which is what huawei is actually known for and their phone business so that's why for the past few years it's so difficult to recommend a huawei phone it's because there's no google services because google can't work with huawei because of that entity list ban so right now yeah this this everyone is trying to capture that market that huawei had to kind of let go because they don't have google so they can't really sell their phones outside the u.s outside china i mean so they can't do that so there everyone's trying to take advantage of that situation and i think that's where xiaomi had a problem when it comes to their flagships because up until that point xiaomi was known as this value for money brand and then all of a sudden they heavily focus on the premium flagship market with their xiaomi 12 pro their xiaomi 12s ultra their xiaomi 13 pro and especially this year when everyone got shocked by the price of the xiaomi 13 series where it got a significant price hike that's where i got confused it's like oh this probably is because 
Xiaomi wanted, like my gut is saying that Xiaomi wanted to chase that flagship market that Huawei left behind because of their situation. So Xiaomi wanted to take advantage of that. And unfortunately, uh, it kind of didn't work in a way because of that, you know, the recent news of uh, Xiaomi's uh, sales are down that that quarter so yeah it's not as compelling as before like the focus on the flagship premium market affected the rest of their phones in a way like software wise i think like miui people don't like miui like i i personally don't like it's like a, at at best 50 50 like i would know per a person who if I meet two people in the street, I would know at least one of them likes MIUI and the other hates MIUI. So, yeah. I just hope that they find their focus again because uh, a company as very competitive in the market as Xiaomi, we don't want to lose that. Wow, this is getting long, but I don't mind it. <laughs> Talking about a lot of brands here. Next is Samsung. So besides Apple, Samsung is the only other phone maker that is making money from selling phones. And one of their latest uh, things going on with Samsung is their foldables. They're the first to bring a consumer... Uh, electronics device that's a foldable with the Galaxy Fold. We all know the story. I'm not going to mention that full Galaxy Fold thing. But basically, my problem with Samsung, the first one, is their foldables. They're kind of getting complacent with their foldables. Like, besides, let's say, hmm, they're not really that successful in China lately. Um, yeah, in the US, if you wanted to buy a foldable, Samsung is basically the only player in town. Motorola used to be there, and they were supposed to be the first because of the Razer, but for some reason, they couldn't really get their footing. And because of Samsung's reach and marketing and everything, they became the first and well-known brand to introduce foldables in to the market. But right now like in early 2023 in mobile world congress we saw a lot of new uh book style foldables from other brands that are not samsung even though like companies like huawei and yeah huawei and vivo they've introduced like book style foldables but it was this year where other brands came out of the work woodwork like techno yeah, Techno especially with their Phantom V Fold. That was interesting that they were able to do it after their Phantom X2 series. So I think that Samsung should showcase their next generation of foldable tech. Otherwise, people might go somewhere else. Like let's say, as I mentioned in, earlier in the episode... Oppo just launched their Find N2 Flip here in the Philippines. And it's the cheapest one in the market. The cheapest new foldable. 
Because if you count the old ones, then they're cheaper or something like that. But yeah, even that. Uh, $49,990 for the fine end to flip compared to the flip for almost 60k. And that's for 128 gig. And uh, Oppo Find M2 Flip already gives you double the storage. So, there. So, I think Samsung needs to show off again. Because they can't rely on their uh, current uh, situation as the, being the one to introduce the technology. My other problem with Samsung, and this is really apparent after reviewing two of their phones both of them are entry level i think that their entry level phones are half baked or they feel half baked at least for me because yes they run one ui core and it's actually worth checking out if you haven't tried it but i feel like samsung should not offer entry level phones anymore as much as some people might be disappointed with that. I mean, not the feature phones. Those can stay. I think they still sell those phones with keypads. So, like, you can just text and call. Like, do the, the previous era of phones. I think they still sell those. But other than that, I don't think their entry-level smartphones work for them. Especially with their recent Galaxy A series being... The A34 and A54 being basically... S23 lookalikes. So, for me, I think that Samsung should ditch selling phones below 10K because they feel half-baked. Especially last year with the A03 and A03S, they feel half-baked. And I don't think they should sell them. But that's my opinion. I don't know about you, if you agree with that or not. Oh, here we go. This will be quick since <laughs> these are points that I brought up in the blog before. So for next brand, you know, you know, I've already mentioned them previously. So it's Huawei. So I'll just mention the first two problems quickly. So they have no Google. So it's really hard to convince people outside of China to sell, to get a Huawei phone. No 5G also because of that same ban where they're not allowed to use 5G technology for some reason and I find it weird that Huawei who once championed 5G to death when they were selling their phones normally with Google they promoted 5G they shouted it to the rooftops but then they got the ban and now they'd have to weirdly defend why uh, but 5G is not really used that often compared to 4G LTE. It's, it's weird. It's weird seeing that from Huawei. Especially if they're a network equipment provider. And I think they would pretty much want to sell 5G equipment rather than 4G. Since it's newer. So, it's very weird. So yeah, as a result for both of them. So their flagship phones. For me which is another problem, they feel overpriced at this point. Like, why would I recommend a Huawei phone? Yes, it has great cameras, and I've seen the reviews. They are good. The problem is, not everyone is willing to give it a chance because one, there's no Google, and two, there's no 5G. 
especially that 5G part where everyone, literally everyone else in the space, in that price point, sells a phone with 5G. So if you're, I know 5G is new, it's kind of bad, and sometimes it could be worse than 4G, although to be fair, that's not my experience. 5G has been generally been better. But I can't justify spending more than 40k on a phone that doesn't have 5G. Heck, even third even spending 20 or 30k without 5G cuz that's part of it now. So really weird to see Huawei constantly pushing people to buy their phones even though they doesn't have 5G even though before they used to champion 5G since network equipment stuff next up is Honor which is the the brand that returned to the Philippines last year made a big splash especially this this year they really made that big splash with their Honor X9A 5G and one of the things they did to market the thing, and I applaud them for that, they knew what to do, is to do a lot of drop tests to make it go viral and say that this display on the X9A5G, which is, was a curved OLED, which is not, not the usual thing you see in the mid-range before then, it's not usual like you don't really see that one this year became that year of curve pre curve amoled displays in the mid-range and honor fortunately was the first one to introduce it in the philippines but unfortunately for me and it's my problem they've been propagating drop tests i don't i sh i'm really sure they had good intentions especially when they market the thing they want it to be known that it's a durable display i get it but haven't you tested that in a lab already? And don't you... Rel I mean, I also get that it's that's not that reliable and you want real world. But I don't think promoting drop tests is a good thing. Especially at like a month or two after. I seen a Facebook post say, Oh, my X9A 5G got broken because they kept dropping it. And they said it was durable. But then, it broke. What do I do with this? Because I, honest, like, I honestly think you don't need to do drop tests. But, or like smash the phone with on fruits or something like that. I applaud the effort of the marketing. But I don't condone drop tests. No matter who you are. I don't care. Because it's like promoting breaking stuff. And you don't want to break electronics, especially if you paid good money for your phone. You don't want to just drop it or use it to break the thing. Not... I don't get it. Next problem with Honor. Uh, like, oddly enough, like a previous brand I mentioned, I'm not going to mention here. So, Honor's X series feels like a mishmash of random phones offered at different price points. Yeah, I did say this earlier. But you have to find out who. Because I don't want to go back and check my notes. So, yeah. Like, they sell the X6, the X7, the X8. I think the X9 too. Then they have the X9A, the X8A, and the X7A. I get the A line. 
at least that's more consistent for me but like the x6 7 8 9 i i don't get it i don't get it it feels like they're just mishmash of random phones and at least their pricing makes more sense but it's still a mishmash and i don't get why besides affordable phones like especially with your premium curved amoled like they use the x9a nomenclature like the naming i don't get it they could have just used something else but they decided to use the x series but yeah find it i just find it to be a mishmash just weird next brand a brand that just returned to the philippines this year zte when i when i honestly speaking this is so minor so i'm just gonna spend a few seconds on this honestly when i heard zte again it's it it always reminds me of this nbn zte deal in the philippines which go look it up it's a weird thing what happened with that it's one of the reasons uh we have problems with that term before i'm not sure if it is now it's been way too long and probably the generation after mine probably doesn't care but yeah may bring up some memories for some people when i hear nbn zte deal and yes so minor compared to my next problem which is i don't know about their offline retail presence like i could apply this to the to the previous brand i mentioned but i think that's getting clearer so i'm gonna give zte also the benefit of the doubt when they're offline retail presence but i think they need it because other brands that entered last year sure as heck needed it because that's how you get to the top smartphone brands in the country by having both an online and an offline presence because yes we may have an audience that buys phones online there are also people who buys phones in a store and i still see a lot of people going to a store to buy a phone there so you need both and i'm not sure with zte's offline retail presence but they can probably sort it out like honors doing next is uh, i don't know if there's anything to talk about this next brand it's probably nothing yeah i was joking yes it's nothing uh from here on out i'm just mentioning one problem each well except for the la last like one other brand which i have two problems with but the rest are just having one problem because they're i only have one problem with e these brands like nothing nothing had a very nice first phone launch I think my main problem with nothing is that you have to go through Digital Walker, which is fine. Like, I'm sure they have their own after sale support, but people keep asking, like, where do I have this fix? Where do I have this fix? Is there a nothing service center? There will be those questions. And for in the Philippines, you'd have to say, go to Digital Walker and then ask them. Or, Maybe they're nothing support and nothing that tech, but I'm not sure how that applies. So that's my problem, especially with uh, if it's a distributor kind of thing. And the brand doesn't really have a official presence in the country. 
Cherry Mobile, one of the most popular Philippine brands when it comes to phones. Like, even back then. Uh, my only thing with Cherry Mobile is the longevity of their phones. Sure, they may be affordable. And yes, the specs are good for the price. But I'm not sure the longevity of the phones. Like, if do they get software updates? See, I didn't even mention software updates because that's how tables takes it is in a way but for cherry mobile that's like my worry if your phone gets updated i mean i could say that with other brands in this list but that gets redundant because that's always a problem even for me next is motorola motorola the brand that used to be independent then got sold to google then Google sold it to Lenovo. And now I'm not sure what Lenovo is doing with it besides being successful in India. But I'm not sure. It's probably their marketing. Because their phones, especially their recent launches, they're actually good. But I'm not sure how they market it. Like, it's not that well known. Like, I'd, like I'd have to tell someone about Motorola and then we'll see if they know or not. Like, that would not be in my top recommendations so to speak because they, they practically don't have much marketing like not as heavy as the heavy hitters because in order to be big then you'd really have to push it but yeah I'm not sure about I'm not sure how how they market the Motorola phones here in the country in the Philippines next is the the owner of Nokia phones is that correct or the one yeah the one who has the license to make Nokia phones HMD Global so we're talking about Nokia phones not the Nokia rebrand at CES that was different that's the main Nokia company who's still doing networking equipment and related stuff so this one is the HMD Global brand and they went on a weird tangent when it comes to their smartphone strategy. And I'm not sure if sustainability is an angle, like a primary selling point for a phone. I'm not really sure if that's a good thing. Although, to be fair, we're living in a world where there's a fair phone and that's also getting some traction, but it's not as big as the rest because let's face it, it's not, I don't know if it's a good selling point. To be sustainable it's a good supporting thing like what samsung is doing with the s23 series with their part selection and how they make their parts with recyclable materials that's nice but it being a major feature like a high the standout thing for your brand i'm not sure especially after going through years of not being too successful with your smartphones especially with your software updates so i'm not sure if sustainability is gonna be a thing a major thing for smartphones it should but i don't think it's a selling point because if it was then people would buy a lot of your phones but it's not so here we are last two brands whoo it's almost an hour. I can't believe in doing another hour-long podcast, which I might leave, you know, clean. 
But yeah. Uh, next two brands. Uh, they're both part of the Tranchon group. So that's Infinix, Techno, and Aital. I'm only going to be talking to two of these brands. It's Aital. They're probably fine. They're probably just selling uh, entry-level phones, which is fine for them. I'm not going to knock them for that. But for this next brand, huh, huh, I don't know. So I'm going to talk about Techno. So for me, my main problem with Techno is it just... It's a brand that should just sell phones online, mainly. I know they have offline presence in uh, malls in the country, but I'm not sure if they should be selling offline. Because it feels like they're not pushing their stuff as much, unlike their sister brand, which I'll be talking late, talking about later. But Techno feels like the online brand of the Tranchon group rather than the sister brand of Techno. Very weird. I don't get it. This is supposedly higher on the food chain than their sister brand since this is the same brand that brings the Phantom X2 series and the Phantom V Fold. So, kind of weird that Techno feels like a second-rate brand in the Philippines, which I hope isn't the case, but feels like it and my second problem with techno which i will share with infinix since they basically share the same os their software sucks i'm just gonna say it <laughs> both of it techno infinix their software sucks it's gonna be xos high os basically the same look just changing around some stuff sucks it's pretty unremarkable it's pretty... Yes, they have those features like Power Marathon. Like, the the usual features that you'd see with other phones. But with, for some reason, with Techno and Infinix and their OS, it feels sluggish. Even with the G88. Because I've, I've seen older MediaTek chips like G88, G96. They would feel snappy and good. But for some reason, the software brings it down. Like, I don't get it. Like, I've used the Zero 5G. That had uh, Dimensity, if I'm not mistaken, 900. Yeah. So, I've had that phone for months. And for some reason, I don't feel like using it that often. The software is very discouraging. The UX is weird. Like, I might just be going on a rant here, but I'm not really a fan of Technos and Infinix's software feels like half-baked and the worst part is you don't even get software updates yeah like that 05g was with me for months and then i saw an article about the 05g having a software update in india but then here nothing to speak of i when did i last use it i think it was february yeah february of this year i was still using the 05g and unfortunately it still did not have an update which is very sad because i bought that phone personally and yeah kind of sucks and it's even unforgivable when you're techno and you're the brand bringing flagship phones now and you have subpar software that's not gonna fly in the flagship phone market 
because you'd have to support stuff like software updates multiple years because it's a flagship phone. I don't like spending at least 40k and then expect it to be worse than the competition in an aspect because with the flagship, you're supposed to bring your best of the best even though it would cost you. But yeah, there are experiences in flagship that are non-negotiable and having software updates is that thing for me besides the software itself software updates are important in a flagship and when you're a brand who's not really known for providing said updates this would pose a problem and it's a bigger problem for me with techno because they're the one selling a flagship phone unlike infinix where they're setting at least their most expensive phone so far is their infinix zero ultra but it's a mid-range so I would expect less from that, but I expect updates for that phone too because it's already reaching mid-range. So I feel like I I think I mentioned this to uh, other people that yeah I think they think that these brands are just mostly for providing a lot of value, but in terms of hardware, software not so much. It's gonna be too expensive if they focus on that. Whew. And that's it for this episode. I feel like I've said a lot of things. I feel like there are so many things I've said that maybe I shouldn't be saying. But I just had to get it out there. Uh, for one, it's Holy Week when I'm recording this. <laughs> so it's really weird to be dishonest. Especially with these. Because I have a lot of problems with some of these brands. Especially the brands I love. That's the that's the thing. It's it's the brands that you love that you really expect a lot and then they disappoint you. Especially with the new ones sometimes. When you uh get with the hype and then you realize it's a mistake. So yeah. Yeah, so that's it for this episode. I've said a lot of things about brands, bad things. So as probably uh counter to this or like the opposite let's go for the good things <laughs> let's go for the good things of each smartphone brand and see if i can do the same for all the brands that i just mentioned at least that i may add more but no guarantees at least the brands i mentioned here so yeah expect that next week until then enjoy your tech enjoy your life bye Thanks for listening to this episode of Techie Speak. Check out utterlytechie.com to discover more of the techie life through tech news, reviews, and opinions. Follow us on social media at utterlytechie on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. See you next week!